0: Yes, we are. We are back. This is Pat's Interference, Year 3, Episode 23, Alabama. Back in the National Championship. They will play Georgia Monday night. Patrick and I have all the information you will need. Look, we don't have to tease this episode. You know what it is. This is the National Championship. Let's get to it. This is Pat's Interference.
1: She like music, she from Houston, like Auntie say. What is good, everybody? The Alabama good dynasty, good. dynasty is dead. Nick Saban has lost his touch, and now college football is going in an entirely different direction. As expected, Clemson goes into the Sugar Bowl and whips on Alabama. That defense has absolutely nothing left in the tank. You're listening to Pat's Interference. I am Patrick Brickman.
0: And I'm Patrick. No, I, I don't, I don't know if you're right. But Wait, I'm not. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it oh, was I've just been, a dream. Sorry, I've been
1: I've been out of touch the last the last week or so. I I was I've been I've been uh, on a on a deserted island. Did I miss something?
0: I I think you might have, unless I was dreaming because it felt like a dream. But I I'm pretty sure. I I remember a twenty-four to six, Alabama victory in the Sugar Bowl. You're kidding. Without a Kelly Bryant touchdown, or no, no, a Hunter no, no. Renfro catch month, in the first I've half. I spent the
1: last month watching ESPN, and I could have sworn that that that's not what was going to happen.
0: Yeah, no, you would have you thought, by the way they were talking, I mean, Kelly Bryant's probably Deshaun Watson, right?
1: Joking aside, what a great week to be alive.
0: My word. Let's just, let's go back. Brick, let's go back two months ago. Not even, under two months ago. To a point when, like a month and a half ago, to a point when you and I called each other freaking out because we had just lost to Auburn. Just morose is the best way to describe it. Auburn was going to the SEC championship. Looks like they were about to bowl over Georgia and make it into the college football playoff. And with the way they were playing, probably content. Now, they've lost to UCF, which we'll get to at the end of the podcast. Uh, and Alabama Georgia. What's up, everybody Georgia,
1: listening to Pat's Interference. The season is over. UCF is national champions. Sorry, I had to throw that in there too.
0: Yeah, they are. <laughs> raise the banners uh no but i mean look at how far it's come and and now we're back we're back alabama is back i want to point out too uh hey brick what what year of pats interference are we in
1: we're in our third season
0: third third season okay so what what's been the common denominator every season that we've had pats interference with uh with alabama football
1: we pass on third and short
0: uh we do we do that that's that's true I was thinking more of Alabama's made it to a national championship every single year that this podcast has been in production. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, I'm not saying we're the ones clap. who did it. I'm not saying we're the ones who did it. I'm just saying the team probably doesn't get there unless we're doing this podcast. Let's well, no, just be you honest. Know
1: that that's what they listen to on the bus or the plane to where they're going.
0: If you're confused about the intro, I, I appreciate what Patrick did. You watch the ESPN coverage, it looked like Alabama didn't have a shot. It looked like they were a 14-seed posing as a 4-seed. However, as we said on last week's podcast, and I'm glad we both picked Alabama to win, if you give Nick Saban a month to prepare, and you disrespect Alabama's defense enough, especially their defense, but the whole team, they're going to show out. And that's exactly what happened. But, as we said, the job's not done. You know? it's not the game where you've got a month to prepare it's a game where you've got a week to prepare we're going to get to all that and a lot more later uh let's not start with the rose bowl i do want to talk about the rose bowl but i want that transition into our national championship discussion let's talk about the sugar bowl what did alabama do brick that was so successful against clemson and shutting down this high power high octane clemson offense
1: hell of a win um there are two things they did um one, obviously on defense, anybody watching the game will know the defense won it. Um, they came back out with the fire and the chip on their shoulder that we got used to seeing the last two, really three seasons at Alabama. Obviously, um, their last three games, even Mercer, they gave up over 100 yards rushing. Their last three games have, have really left a lot to be desired, and a lot was said about um, the defense and, and the linebackers. Well, they came back healthy. Right. They Lost came Lost their back. identity. But the, th- and the, the other thing we did was, is we didn't we, we we just played smart assignment defense which we didn't see a ton of with the new linebackers in but the linebackers the were, we weren't blitzing a ton we were getting pressure with four sometimes five uh we were finishing tackles and we were making clemson feel like they couldn't do what they normally do you know yeah. they won games on running the ball just like uh, alabama has and should but clemson's been a running team this year sure and uh very early on we made them think they A can't run and B can't throw downfield.
0: Right. Right. I I yeah, I think it was uh you know, the thing that we were worried about happening to Alabama ended up happening to Clemson, where right. last, year, last year last year both Scarborough breaks his leg, Alabama quits running the ball for whatever reason, which you and I still can't figure out, uh, which happened a couple times this season. I told you, um, Etienne went down at the beginning of the game, and it looked like their offense was kind of like that was a giant punch in the face. And I told you right after the game, I think that was a big part of their game plan. I yeah, think I think, that was I think running control. him off the edge was a huge part of their game plan. And once that went out, they looked down at their you know their quarterback a uh, wrist you know the uh, play caller's bands and said, "Oh crap, that's that's a lot of our play calling. Um, you know what do we do from here?" and you know I, I think Kelly Bryan is a good quarterback I'm still gonna contend that I've heard some people that think that he was maybe a chump all year I, I don't think it's that at all I think he's very talented uh I just think they came out flat and I think Alabama just wanted it a little bit more um you know the offensive side of the ball yeah left a little bit to be desired uh, let's let's call it what it was it's not like they went out there and dominated the entire game all right I Come on!
1: But they did enough. They trusted their offensive sure. line, and we at least tried to establish the identity that we should have had, um, you know, the, all year long. But um, right, we trusted our offensive line. Our offensive line delivered. Let's not forget that's the best defense we have and are going to play this year.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, obviously, the two injuries we need to mention: uh, Anthony Jennings and Lester Cotton, uh, both out. Uh, and for of next course, week.
1: who who balls out in the game? Linebackers. An offensive lineman, and of right. course, we we have to lose one. Both because, of them in the fourth quarter. Because that, well, that's the, the tail of the
0: tape this season too. That's you know, let's not act like that's something that's brand new to the playoffs. This is something that's happened literally since the first game of the season. Um, Which one of
1: those do you feel is a bigger loss in, in uh, coming into this next game?
0: Definitely, I would I would definitely say Anthony Jennings. Uh, mainly just because I, I, I and we'll get into it later. I think that Alabama's run defense has got to be top notch if they want to beat Georgia. Um, now. Let's not act like he's and he's been a great player for us this season, but I don't know of another game where he showed out that much uh, in Alabama's season this year. He's a great player, don't get me wrong, and Alabama's obviously going to miss him because depth is depth, but I don't know of another game this season where we can look back and say, oh, man, Anthony Jennings played great that game. That was that was his game, and that's great, but I'm not – we're going to miss him, but I'm not feeling as worried as I did when Mac Wilson – uh, Terrell Lewis, those guys went down. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's we've still got Rashawn Evans, you've still got Mac Wilson, you still got Terrell Lewis. Those three guys alone could get you way, 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 way ahead of the game. You know? Yeah,
1: and those are our biggest run defenders, honestly. I mean, Jennings was great against the run in this game, but he's he is uh, more of a pass so he got a lot of pressure on Bryant.
0: Plus, um, uh, you know, you saw Hassenauer come into the game after Cotton got injured and there really wasn't that much of a drop off. Um, you know he's gotten a lot of minutes, um, a lot of playing time. He's gotten a lot of snaps under his belt. I feel confident with him in there. I, I would like Cotton in there more, but I'm okay with Hour being in there.
1: Yeah. Um. So defensively, one unheralded star I want to mention in this game: Crazy Tony and the job he did on Hunter Renfro. He was Alabama's was the star.
0: <laughs> Alabama's <laughs> favorite silverback gorilla.
1: Hunter Renfro done lied, as you he heard lied. Him say after the game. He lied. No, he if you did a great if you job. haven't
0: if you haven't already, Mark Burnett read a or wrote a great piece on SEC Country, uh, and the headline was Tony Brown uh, calls himself a silverback gorilla, uh, calls out Hunter Renfro for lying, and thanks Dabo Sweeney for giving Alabama quote ammunition in what is probably the greatest postseason press conference in college football history.
1: It was incredible, and then the girl's face—the poor reporter after that interview. She had <laughs> she no was idea the what the cameraman. To, I don't. I don't it know what great, I would have done. You no, know, he played. He played the kind of game to, to back up, back that up because it was. You know, did Hunter Renfro play in the game? He didn't get a catch till the fourth quarter, and that's been yes. on kryptonite two seasons against Clemson. It, you know, if you don't count Deshaun Watson, who's everyone's kryptonite.
0: Yes, I think uh, I I know for a fact that for a good portion of the game, Darren Payne had more catches than Hunter Renfro.
1: Oh, that's w- wonderful.
0: Which is probably my favorite stat I've ever tweeted. Uh, so, you know, obviously we're going to talk about that. Well, let's go ahead and get into that. Darren Payne, my word. Probably. But it's in, a shining moment. It's, you know, you could probably go back to the glory days of football when you played Ironman football and guys played both sides of the ball. But I want to know the last person to get an interception and a touchdown reception in the same quarter. Because I bet he is – I bet you can count it on one hand.
1: I'm going to call it – I'm going to start using this term. That was his Daniel Moore moment. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Yes, of course The Alabama painter. Of course, yeah. That's actually exactly what I told
0: uh, the lovely – By the way, I'd be remiss. Sorry to take away from this for a little bit. But it is Jade Stoner's birthday in my time zone. So happy birthday, Jade. Uh, Happy I, know, birthday. I know she'll be listening to this one because it's an important game. She listens to the important podcasts, which is nice. Uh, anyway, I told her about that, and I was like, I want it. I will pay Daniel Moore <laughs> myself to do it. Like I I don't care. It's beautiful. Yeah,
1: for for those who don't know, he's the if you if you walk down anywhere downtown Tuscaloosa, you've seen him, but mm-hmm. he's the guy that uh that that paints the famous Alabama moments, the Rocky Blocks and, you know, Cooper against Georgia and the, right. the SEC Championship game. Right. The, those big moments. Van
0: Tiffin's kick against Auburn. Yeah. I who mean could all forget? the yeah, all all the all the classics, all the classics. Yeah. That's Um, his Daniel
1: Moore moment. He'll be on a painting within the next couple months.
0: (laughs) You know, it's it's been uh, that game for me. Honestly, Brick was fun. It was just fun. Um, Obviously, you know, Alabama comes out after the half. uh, Jalen Hurts holds on to a read option a little bit too long, and then you know it's it's not looking great. Other than I was about to
1: come, I was about to come unhinged at that moment.
0: Yes, I. Other than that, I don't know. Of a time when I felt nervous. After after Clemson was held to a field goal after that, I don't know of another time I felt nervous. Um, it, watching it a second, if you haven't watched it again, go watch the game again. Knowing what you know, it is you dissect and watch so much more. Uh, Mac Wilson played on his head. Let's not forget that. Um, some, some underrated players that we talked about, and obviously, Mac Wilson's not one of those guys. He had a pick six, and everybody talked about that, which, by the way, that's probably. The best use of the pylon cam I've seen in a long time. Uh, other than when Texas's punter kicked one of his f- what was it, <laughs> nine or whatever it was, right out of bounds and it landed right in front of the pylon cam. That was pretty sweet. But anyway, uh, going off punters, J.K. Scott had a whale of a game. Um, he was great.
1: He was awesome. You know, he's got one. More, he's got one more game in crimson.
0: Yes, uh, Jeremy Pruitt was a guy I'm sad that... to
1: see him go as anyone.
0: Yes, Jeremy Pruitt was a guy you had mentioned. I'm going to kind of let you get into that right now. Um, just while we're kind of focusing on the defense, we'll get into the offensive side of the ball here in a second. But just to kind of put a bow up on the defense, um, you know, they played a great game. Um, but you've got a defensive coordinator who knows he's he's kind of in the... Not really in the doghouse, but he's he's under a very special eye, right? Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's got... He's got the eye of a couple people because you just don't... The eye
1: of Sauron, if we're being honest.
0: Honestly. You don't want to mess up and then everybody says, oh, well, he wasn't focused on the job. I don't think anyone's saying that. I know I'm not. Um, His preparation for that game, it was was very, very well done. It looked like the team was well prepared.
1: This is the third straight year that Alabama's, you know, had to go into the playoff and face the task of, of... of keeping a coach on staff that was going to a new school. And the way yes, Kirby Smart handled it was fine, left right. a lot to be desired. Uh, Lane Kiffin couldn't have handled it worse. Um, and so from everything I know about what's happened so far, at least with Pruitt, you know, he's going to a high-caliber He's going to a higher-caliber job um, than Lane Kiffin was by far, the same that Kirby Smart was, and he's got to get a staff together, you know. The first couple weeks of his tenure there, as important as any he's going to have, he's also having to balance not just – a defense this defense was almost a lost commodity in football, you yes. know, and it was just like that, and he got it back to you know the most dependable commodity in the sport, which is what it's been for the last decade, right. just the job he did, getting the player back, his game plan was 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 as good as i as I've seen from an Alabama in a big game ever it was. You can't say enough about that.
0: Yes, he was—he was a great tactician in that game, is what I'd call it. Let's hope um, we can hit
1: another home run uh, on Monday.
0: Yes, yeah, uh, which needs to happen. Now, let's so great job Pruitt. Let's move to the awesome offensive side of the ball. Now, I already mentioned there was something left to be desired, I'd say, but we saw Alabama get back to the type of Alabama football that I—I I don't necessarily love. But I'm okay with it because it's a compromise between the old and the new. And I know that that has to happen for us to win football games. We can't just line up and run it every single down like I want us to. As sad as it makes me. But I thought the pass plays were called at the right time. Uh, even the one when we went uh, our our first drive, there was a drop ball. You know, Cam Sims had a drop ball that was a clear first down. Um, you know. Ran the ball two plays before that. Third and short, we throw it. I'm not wild about it. I understand why we're doing it. I think we would have picked up the first down running the ball, but we had an opportunity there. The guy was open and he dropped the pass. So things like that are going to happen. But I thought offensive play calling was much, much. Uh, it was it was well done. It was a lot Forwards. more thought out than Damian the
1: Harris, game. 19 carries. Mm.
0: Mm. That's
1: all you need to know. Bo yes. Scarborough had 12. Hertz had 11. Yes. I'm fine with that. We averaged 3.4 yards a carry, uh, but Damian Harris had over 4 yards to carry. And let's not forget, I said it earlier, this is and will be the best defense that Alabama's played this season. Georgia's got a great defense too, don't get me wrong. For sure. The Clemson people all season, it's been Alabama or Clemson's defense. You know, They were number two in points allowed a game. We were number one in points allowed a game. They're great against the run. We're great against the run. Um, this was a game that I knew we were going to Need to try to run. I was nervous about whether we would even be able to have remote success doing it. Right. Right. So the fact that we had good success, you know, very good success, 141 total team yards, uh, meant that we did not have to rely on Hertz too much because he made some mistakes. He uh, he overthrew what should have been a touchdown pass in the first half. Um, like you said, there were a couple throws he had. We had a drop pass, and then there was one really big play that we had where Jonah Williams was downfield blocking too far. So. Right could have been better, but they played better than they did against Auburn, and we really needed at least a manageable performance. Now, if our defense hadn't shown up, the way our offense played wouldn't have been good enough, but they did what they had to do. I'm not going to, you know, ream on them too much for what happened in this game when we, you know, go out with a three score win, and and they had, you know, just the one turnover, nothing too bad.
0: One thing that we read, before the game started that never really came to fruition was that Tua Viola, the Hawaiian Punch, as we call him affectionately on this podcast, was going to get some snaps. And I was nervous. I, I did not really like the thought of it. I understood it, but I didn't like the thought of it. Uh, I was glad to see that not really happen. Um,
1: I think the team let that quote-unquote leak. Somebody was telling me that, the, that that report came from the fact that Tua took first-team reps during practice. But what people left out is that Jalen Hurts was sick, had a fever or a flu or something in a couple of those practices, and just wasn't there.
0: Yes. Um, Yeah, I think – but I think Jalen's still – you know, he's still learning. It's not – you can't – I saw so many people still mad. You can't expect him to be perfect right now. You just can't. He's done so much for this team and so much for this university that when he messes up, people just want to jump down his throat. And I don't – I don't get it. I mean, yeah, he took a really bad sack one drive. I mean, just a horrible sack right before the half. Um, second down, instead of throwing it out of bounds, I mean, it looks he's sitting back in the pocket, which is fine because last year we were complaining because he's running too much out of the pocket. He's sitting back in the pocket for way too long, looking downfield, looking downfield, looking downfield. Then he finally decides to roll out, but it's too late and he gets sacked. He doesn't throw it away. He gets sacked. But he makes up for it. He makes up for it, and that's something that people have got to focus on. You know, not the most beautiful game by Jalen Hurts, but Alabama does not need quarterbacks to win them football games. He started 28 games. Ever. He's won 26 of them. Yes. And he's won two of his three playoff games.
1: But I will entertain this. Regardless of what happens on Monday, I think in the offseason it needs to be made clear that this is a uh, this is a open – competition we will obviously talk more about this over the offseason as uh, next season gets close but sure you know it needs to be an open competition because we could have a generational talent behind him we don't know our coaching staff needs to entertain the notion of well the guy behind him might be better right if that's the case best man's got to play if it's not the Jalen will take the first snap against Louisville in a year sidebar right. very glad we're not facing Lamar Jackson in that game and sidebar
0: Uh, Yes, inside bar and and Lamar Jackson. I think uh, another sort of underrated player, even though we mentioned him right off the top, was Damian Harris. Um, Had a huge third down pickup. Or was that? No, that was fourth. It was fourth and one. Uh, Great read. The line is breaking to the right. He sees a crease to the left. He says, I think I can jump it. Jumps it and gets another three or four yards out of the play. First down Alabama. We go down the field and score. That was a huge turning point in that game, especially for the momentum of that game. Uh, yeah, that was, that was
1: big. It led, that led to a touchdown. That was the first the, time uh, where I felt that was like, was after whoa. Darren Payne's interception.
0: Sure. That was the first time I felt like, whoa, we're, we're kind of dominating these guys right now. Um, you know, so Damian Harris had a great game. Just keep feeding him. Just keep feeding him. He's healthy. He's not showing any signs of slowing down. Keep giving him the ball. I was disappointed a little bit in the play of Bo Scarborough. Um, I, I don't know what's happened. But We've
1: said again and again and again this it year. It
0: seems like Damian Harris has, uh, for lack of a better term, space jammed to Bo Scarborough, where he's just sort of sucked his power. Um, and I don't know <laughs> how it no happened. Term. I don't know how it happened or when it happened. I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I remember Bo Scarborough having one or two good games this season. Um, he played pretty well in the Florida State game, played very well in the Vanderbilt game, if you'll remember. Everybody than,
1: played well in the Vanderbilt game.
0: Right. Other than that, Andy I don't... Andy
1: Papanastos had his best game against Vanderbilt.
0: Let's not let's not mention that name on this podcast, please. Uh, we, only,
1: we only got a little while. Just one more year of it. Oh, thank God. Actually, one more game of it. Sorry.
0: Oh, God. I mean, it, look. He did write Andy on the bottom of his cleat. I don't know if you saw this. Like, I did see that. Woody from Toy Story, which is hilarious. But it'd be even funnier if he made field goals. Anyway... Uh, I, I I'm disappointed in Bo Scarborough. At what point do you put Najee Harris in the depth chart above Bo Scarborough?
1: I want to see Josh Jacobs above him too. Mm. I mean, those are our two starters next year. Uh, we'll t- again, we got more to talk about. I don't want to take all of our off-season topics, but there's part of me that believes that Scarborough and Harris are gone after this game, um, and I think that our two starters next year are the other Harris and Jacobs, and they'll be battling out. That'll be you know one of the interesting position battles to talk about in the offseason mm. um, offensively my biggest complaint and this is something that they haven't had since Jalen Hurts did take the reins no killer instinct in my opinion the offense doesn't really have a killer instinct we were, you said that you really felt like we weren't dominating Clemson until the third quarter I remembered thinking that before halftime we are dominating these guys we are killing them they are gasping at air with us and we can't put them away my biggest thing is we got to be able to put a team away at some point in this tenure. Have to. right? 10 nothing at halftime was too low a score for how badly we were playing. Or 10-3, sorry. 10-3 at halftime, way too low a score for how badly we were actually beating them on the field. We were whipping them. And 10-3, a couple miscues, felt okay because we lost the game last year, but not really. And then we almost let them take, you know, tie it up after the fumble, the first play of the second half. That's my big thing. Other than that... I'm not going to complain too much about a 24-6 win over the number one team in the country.
0: No, I, I'm not either.
1: You know, I realize Alabama fans love to do stuff like that, and I'm one of them, but I'm going to save it.
0: Yeah. I, you know, you mentioned the killer instinct. I'm not I'm not sure I'm 100% with you with that. Not because I've, I feel like this wasn't really a good game to judge that. This wasn't a good barometer of that. It, That's it's a good ho- point. It's hard to put a team like Clemson away. Their defense is powerful. They, are, they have a huge defensive line and a great pass rush. We said it over and over again last week.
1: Best so in the country.
0: that that killer instinct, that drive, I think was there. I think the attitude and the want to was there. I'm just not sure if it was executed the way it could have been. And I agree with you in that regard. But I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't think Jalen Hurts wants to win football games, or that he's he's ready to just put guys in the dirt. No, oh, it's not.
1: It's not a laziness thing. It's just there's it's just a little extra. Yeah, you know we're down at the we're down at the the seven and a false start, and we're kicking a field goal. Stuff like that's happened a lot this year. Sure, a lot more this year.
0: But remember now, uh, let's let's call it what it is. Um, you know, like I said, Clemson's defense is very good.
1: Plus the offense is in the national championship, so it could be worse.
0: Offense is in the national championship. But here's the thing. Alabama is not peaking yet is what that means to me. And if I'm Georgia, that's a scary thought. That Alabama just beat Clemson 24-6, to and they're not not exactly playing their a-plus game yet not exactly defense can't do much better than how they did
1: no defense absolutely can't do better than they did
0: the offense can grow by leaps and bounds and like i said if i'm the bulldogs that's you better hope it's not on monday because if the offense you want to get into
1: the rose bowl now
0: yeah the offense starts clicking i'm just saying it's going to be tough for georgia to win uh yes let's get into the rose bowl uh Probably, let me ask you just before we get into the nitty gritty of the game, as far as a game perspective. Now, I know that the 2005 Vince Young game was for the national championship, so you're always going to pick that one. But take away what was at stake, and just for the game, which did you enjoy more? 2005, it's Vince Young upsetting USC, or this year's Georgia team upsetting Oklahoma?
1: Very similar feelings after the game Mm. Um, because I I actually do remember watching that 2005 game even though I was a young 13 years old at the time I do remember watching it uh, because my brother was a uh, low-key Texas fan and I loved Reggie Bush and so we watched it and I remember after that game just kicking back and going that was oh that was fun that was incredible yeah and I did the same exact thing Uh, I was a little bit you know more wired after yeah, the sure. game cuz there was another big game coming on right after it, but uh, um, or
0: during and then ESPN switched the coverage over.
1: That and also, also last year's Penn State um Ohio uh USC, USC shook, yeah. Rose Bowl was amazing too. Sure. Uh, I'm going to still go, I mean I'll still go with Vince Young because it just it, it feels like a more vintage moment. It feels like top 5 moment in college football history. Um but it's by a, it's by a hair. Now that game really had it all. It had everything. It had the most points scored in the Rose Bowl, it had the first overtime in the Rose Bowl, it had the longest field goal, the biggest comeback. It was incredible.
0: Yeah. And we yeah. were
1: both we were both almost dead on in this game where you know, we ne- neither of us could get a finger on it and it was going to come down to how bad can Oklahoma's defense be?
0: Yeah.
1: We're pretty dang bad.
0: They weren't good. They weren't good. Um it was lovely for me to see Baker Mayfield get tur- taken down a, a couple notches. A- just a- just pure bliss You've is been the a only hater. way I can do I despise the guy. I don't know how you don't. He's Johnny. He's a worse. I, I liked Johnny Manziel better than I do Baker Mayfield.
1: Ugh, I see. I can't say that. No,
0: I well, one, I do. One
1: of them never beat us, so it's hard for me to say that. If, I, if, if both of them have beat us, come back, and we might have the conversation. I might agree with you.
0: I don't think there's a more arrogant person than Baker Mayfield. And to see him cry in a post-game press conference is incredible. It's It's bliss. It is pure bliss. And then... Goes to an Oklahoma City Thunder game. I don't know if you saw this. Daps up Paul George. Paul George does not recognize him. Has that no was clue awesome. who he is. I did love that. And just walked off. And I was like, this is incredible. He thought he's just another guy. And you know what? He is. He is. Look at me in the eyes and tell me that Baker Mayfield's going to make a living in the NFL.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, he's, not, he's not super high on my list. If I'm drafting, okay, you don't, you're not a big draft. If I was drafting in the second round and i'm the patriots and i've got everything i need then i might take a flyer on him but um no i don't i don't know that he's going to be a mega star i think he'll have a better career than Manziel did cuz i do think he has a better head on yes. his shoulders yeah
0: i think he's more focused i agree but
1: um no the guy i want is lamar jackson if i'm drafting i don't care mm. that he threw four interceptions in his last game they had him do everything
0: mm mm mm, mm. yeah so Oklahoma's defense was obviously, you know, we talked about it in our last podcast, you know, what's what's going to be the thing that, you know, that bends but doesn't break, and Oklahoma's defense in the end was the thing that broke. Now, uh, a lot of that was Georgia's defense, and especially Georgia's heart. That's one thing I do want to touch on, and that you and I talked about after that game. Uh, Georgia never went away from the game plan. Not not once. Not when they got down by 14, not when they were up by seven, they ran the ball down their throats and passed when they had to and made good, solid passes. Um, and that's the
1: most impressed I've been with the team in college football uh, outside of the name Alabama in a very long time. Yes, I mean I was sitting there watching it. I'm telling you, they were down 31-14, and everybody, including myself, was closing the book on that game. I w- This yeah. is. This we is went uh, to Chick
0: Fil A. I was so sure it was over. We went to Chick Fil A, came back, and they were down by seven. And I was like,
1: "What?" and they came, but they were back with the lead midway through the third quarter. I mean, there was still like seven minutes left in the third, and they had the lead. Yes, I mean, they were winning the game, and how did they do it? They ran the ball yes. how do you How do you come back from from seventeen points down in eight minutes running the ball? I didn't get it, but they did
0: they did they did, and that should tell you a lot about the Georgia rushing offense too uh I will tell you. I am more worried about Sony Michelle than I am anyone uh on Georgia's offense.
1: Yeah, me too. Or we, we've Alabama. Played, we've played we've played the healthy Chubb. Yes. Right. We played we played the, the big strong Chub when the Chubb was healthy. Yes. And the Chubb is healthy now. The Chubb is back to full strength. The Chubb's back in full strength. We've played that strong Chubb before. Right. We haven't played we've played Michelle, but he was a freshman. We haven't played Really, a Michelle or the Swift guy? This uh, I think it's DeAndre Swift. Yes, both. That's of the-, the kind of running back that gets yards on us. It's not. It's not the the power. We we finish tackles most yes. of the time. Yeah. Um, that's not. That's something I've really never complained about an Alabama team that c- we finish tackles. We bring guys down, or we hit them backwards, and someone else does.
0: Now, um, tell me what you thought of Georgia's defense in this game.
1: Oh, I mean. I understand they gave up a ton of points, and that helps me feel a little better, but they gave up a ton of points to a team that would score a ton of points on, no matter what the uniform was. I think, Well,
0: and the Heisman Trophy winner.
1: And the Heisman Trophy. I think Oklahoma would have put up 30-plus against us too. I really do. Even at our full strength, I think Oklahoma's offense was playing at a high enough level where I think they would have had success. Now they gave up 48, and I feel really good about that. I'm actually going to go – when I was watching it, one of the things I noticed is that – Georgia's pass rush. Not enough people are saying this about. It. They still struggle. They're like some of those earlier Alabama defenses, Kirby Smart defenses, that had trouble passing the, or rushing the quarterback. They were having to blitz six or seven if they wanted to get pressure on them. Sure. When we get in, remind me that I'm saying this because I want to bring that up later. Uh, but other than that, the defense wasn't their best game by any means. But they made the plays they had to make at you know key moments in order to win. And there's something to still be said about that, even though you gave up 40-plus points.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I was impressed. I was really impressed with Georgia's defense. And just like the offensive side of the ball had to get points, they had to go out there and get stops knowing they had given up a lot of points already. It's 31-14. Like, you've given up 31 points, and you're going out there drive after drive, and you're getting stops. It was impressive. I mean, impressive. Alabama
1: gave up 35 points to Clemson last year. And then the year before, they gave up 40-plus points. They gave up 40 exactly points, and those were two great, great defenses. So you get what I'm saying here? Yeah, You can still play well and give up a lot of points if you play well in the moments you need to.
0: Well, and you just show heart. You just don't give up. That, that's something that happens so often in college football As a team gets down by you know, 13 or 14 and the game's over. The game's over. I mean, they they don't believe that they can win. I never saw that with Georgia. You Not looked at, at Georgia's sideline, they were ready to go from the jump all the way to the last snap. They were ready to win the game. Um, Kirby Smart
1: said it. The offense was picking up the defense at halftime. Yeah. Hey, y'all still got this, and we got you. We're going to score. It was amazing. I mean, that's that's a team yeah. right there.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, obviously, had Alabama lost to Clemson, I would have loved Georgia to win the national championship. Now I don't feel that way. <laughs> now we don't feel that way. Obviously. But if, you know. If it does happen, I'm going to have a lot less bitter taste in my mouth. Um, knowing that it's a guy like Kirby Smart and a team like Georgia who went through that game that they did. The block was fantastic. The play calling in overtime was well done. That's something that's such like a lost art. It's almost like practicing uh, penalty shootouts in hockey. You know, It's it's such a lost art. And people Speaking of which, really...
1: Oklahoma's was terrible in overtime. That's and what I mean. Is you overtime. can
0: tell one of those teams focused on that leading into the game. And one team completely didn't. Because it's a whole new ball game. It's a whole new ball game. So it's just the preparation and everything going into it. you got to tip your hat to the coaching staff in Georgia. Uh, Is there anything else you want to say about the Rose Bowl?
1: Uh, I want to mention Roquan Smith. He had a horrible first half. Right. This was a player, I don't know if you've heard this, Roquan Smith, he won the Buckus Award. um, Same award that Ruben Foster won last year. So he won the Buckus Award. And in run support... He missed zero tackles all season. That's incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. And he
1: actually missed a couple against Oklahoma. So those were his first missed tackles all season.
0: That's impressive. He came out
1: and balled out It's Very the second impressive.
0: Half. Yeah, no, Georgia's a very impressive team. Brick, this is the last time we'll be, ever be able to do this. So I say we make it count. But this Alabama defense has got to go up. This rush defense has got to go up against a, a, a Chubb. That runs hard and runs smart. It's a chub with a good set of legs. It's a chub that's got a good brain to it.
1: This is a chub that's really, really good at penetrating a yes. line.
0: <laughs> yes. The, the chub's very good at seeking out uh, the the open areas.
1: Even when the chub gets sweaty and tired, it never stops working.
0: Never does. He never does. Not, e- not even once for a second. Even... When the Chub feels like he's given everything he's got, just just game in, game out of just constant wear and tear, there is still a Chub on the other side of the dust.
1: And he was a broken Chub not two years ago. Broken, broken Chub. He he could not work.
0: Bruised,
1: and he rehabilitated himself. The Chub is rehabilitated and he's stronger than ever.
0: I that's that's where we get the saying is beware a rehabbed Chub. All right, that was good. I'm glad we did that let's, okay let's i want I want to
1: intro us into the national championship talk here. yeah, sure so go ahead there's There's two videos that I know that earlier this week, uh pretty much or very early in the week, pretty much get back to work stop celebrating Clemson. he showed the team two videos. One was Kobe Bryant mm. um going into ge- po- post game press conference after game two. Um, in his NBA Finals where they beat the Magic. So I don't remember what year it was, but you remember the Finals. They were up 2-0, and they were about to go on the road to Orlando, and you know the focus is to make it 3-0, and no team's ever come back from that. So he goes in there, and and they're asking him questions. okay, And then and then the press conference ends with really some dumb reporter asking Kobe, Kobe, huh, you're up 2-0 in the Finals. Can we get a smile out of you? And, and without even a flinch, without even a think, he goes, no, why, why would I smile? Job's not finished, it's 2-0. Job's not finished, I'm not going to smile. If we win, you'll see me smile, job's not finished. I mean, it was just it was just a mindset thing. It wasn't even a thought-up answer. That was a genuine response, no thought into it. No, job's not finished. I loved it. Video number two. I know you're not much of a uh, Game of Thrones guy, but uh, apparently Nick Saban is. Have you seen the episode "The Mountain versus the Viper"? No. Oh my goodness. Well, let me give you a little little uh, backstory here. Yes.
0: Is this where he crushes the dude's head? Yes. Yeah. The Mountain, the yep.
1: biggest, most fearsome uh, warrior in Westeros, versus the Viper. He's smaller. He's got a. He uses a spear instead of a sword, and he was out for revenge. So he's dancing around. He's he's toying with the uh, with the Mountain. Um, he's toying with him. He looks like he has him defeated. And yet he's throwing even more flair into it. Trying to make him admit something. It's a whole backstory. But apparently, he just wasn't focused on actually defeating. He wanted, he was just having fun with it, essentially. Mountain trips him up, knocks him to the ground, crushes his head, and wins. Those are the two videos that Nick Saban showed his team.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: What do you take away from that?
0: Um. Uh, Alabama has to know their place. They are... The Titan. They are the the weathered warrior at the end of a very 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 long battle. It's it's been a weird season, Brick. You and I both know Technically, the that. lower ranked team. Te- but does anyone really believe that right now?
1: No, I mean Vegas. Well, Vegas favored Alabama in the last game too. Vegas must have been onto something. They favor Alabama by, I think by four, three or four.
0: Right. But I think Nick Saban is trying to get the point across of. We haven't finished anything. You no. have done nothing. The Clemson Same win is great. Same thing that happened
1: last year can happen this year.
0: Yes, but if Monday is not a victory, none of it matters. No one's going to care about that Clemson game. No one will care. no going
1: to remember the fact that you got your revenge. Nobody will remember for revenge. Revenge no. does not happen unless you win this game.
0: Right. So, I think that's the point he's trying to get across. The other video that came out this week that you sent to me, and I showed it to anyone who would watch, With Scott Cochran walking into the locker room (laughs) with Alabama's 2017 runner-up trophy, uh, yelling, mostly profanities, screaming, boom, and then smashing it into the floor of the locker room and hitting it with a sledgehammer, uh, talking about how they don't play for participation trophies. Now this happened right after UCF claimed their national title, which I hope those two things were correlated, uh, I don't know if they were because Scott Cochran's insane, and sometimes he just does insane things because that's what insanity is. But it did send a message to the team, I think, that it doesn't like none of it matters. Like we just said, none of it matters unless there is a win on Monday night, and you can get all the trophies and all the the headphones and the sweatshirts and the backpacks and the bags. And I I don't I don't know if you've ever been around an NCAA tournament setting, Brick. They get stuff out the wazoo from ear to ear. I mean, you you can't walk around and swing a dead cat without hitting some gear that the NCAA is giving an NCAA tournament team. Period. That's how it is. That's the same with volleyball, women's soccer, tennis. I cannot imagine what it's like for college football. But none of those gears and gadgets and, and, you know, tech pieces and clothes and backpacks, none of that matters. Unless there's hardware at the end of it.
1: I bet there are players that throw it away when they lose.
0: Uh, there are some. Um, I will ta- I've talked to someone who uh, played for a team, and I'm not going to mention his name because I doubt he'd want me to tell his story, but they got brand new Sega Dreamcasts right when they came out, when he went to a bowl game. That was their big bowl gift, and they all sold it on eBay after the game because they didn't want to look at it because they lost.
1: Yeah, I would have trouble using Beats headphones that I got from a championship loss.
0: Yeah, especially if they've got the logo on the ear. I mean, oh, think yeah. about it. Think about it. But, regardless, uh, Alabama has a tall order. This is not This is not going to be as easy as the Clemson game.
1: And this game is in Atlanta. And yes. I know that it's supposed to be 50-50, but There's let's no be way. honest here. There's no let's way. Let's be honest here. Not only is it a very short drive for Georgia fans, but Alabama, like it or not, is accustomed to this. Georgia's been waiting 40 years for this. Yes. So they are buying up tickets. They're buying up tickets from Alabama fans. They and have who to. You can blame an Alabama fan selling a good ticket for $10,000 to a Georgia fan. They and have they go, to. Oh, it's just one more Georgia person. Yeah. I'm, think, I'm guessing it'll be closer to 75, 25, maybe even 80, 20.
0: I don't think it'll be that much. I think that's a lot. I, I'd go more 65, 35. But I, I get what you're saying. You're, I think you're forgetting that we have the craziest fan base in the country for any sport.
1: It's probably true, too.
0: Uh, However, this is is a more difficult game. You do not get a month to prepare for this game. You got no time to prepare for this game in the month prior to you playing Clemson because you wanted to, A, focus on Clemson, and, B, you didn't know who you were playing. So this is a more difficult game. Stopping Georgia's rushing offense while you and I joke about a healthy Chubb and how great Sonny Mitchell is, even though his eyes don't really look the same way. Uh, you know, we, we this is a tall order. That is a great team who could really run the football. I'm looking at an Alabama defense that's missing Anthony Jennings, and they've got some running backs, or excuse me, some linebackers that are banged up. They've got some defensive linemen that are banged up. News coming out today that Minka Fitzpatrick might be unhealthy, but now he's refuting that news.
1: Bruce kidney is what I've heard.
0: What does Alabama have to do? And don't just give me the stop the run bull crap. Because that's what everybody says. What does Alabama have to do to win this game?
1: They have to get pressure on Fromm. Yes, we're go. We're they're going to get running yards, right? They're not going to because they're they're that's that's just what they're going to do. They're going to get some yards. I don't think they're going to run on us and get seventy-yard touchdowns five or six times like they did against Oklahoma. We're not going to miss those tackles and miss those assignments. They're going to get some yards. They're going to get third and twos against us. Uh, They're going to get a third and four against us at some point in the game by running the ball. I mentioned the defenses earlier and the blitzing. Here's why I'm confident about these two very good defenses. I think if there's one tipping point for me, because we're looking at two very similarly built teams, if there's one tipping point for me, it's if Alabama can get pressure on Fromm rushing four and Georgia has to get pressure on Hertz rushing six or seven, I think that that's a tipping point into big plays from Alabama. Mm. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts tucking it and going for several yards, or you know, finding Calvin Ridley on a nice slant. The more people they have to send, I think, the more we're going to be able to prepare and just because this is, this game is going to come down to really, I think, three or four big plays. Right. right. This is one of those games where I mean, we've both got really good um, defenses. Offense is predicated on the run. Alabama is just predicated on the run, no matter what way you look at it. Um, two young quarterbacks that aren't quite exquisite at passing yet. It, these are, and of course, teams from the same conference. We haven't even mentioned that on the podcast yet. So this is going to come down to big plays like that, and I think that that little Georgia's got to rush more than we have to rush might be enough.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think the thing, the, the, the X factor for Alabama is, is the fact that they've got a more experienced defense on this stage. This defense has done this three years in a row now. They, they, they're not going to be distracted by all the flashing light bulbs and the, the new fancy stadium in Atlanta. It's, it's another day at the office for these guys. Um, I think Georgia's defense is very impressive, but I think you're right. You mentioned it. They've got to get to Jalen Hurts early and often, and I think, A, that's going to be a tall order, against Alabama's offensive line, who held up Clemson's defensive line, which we've seen tear through teams all year. Uh, And that's going to wear them out. And when teams get worn out against Alabama in the fourth quarter, it usually doesn't end well for them.
1: Doesn't end well for them.
0: Uh, Because that's when Alabama just starts giving the ball to a Damian Harris or a Najee Harris or Bo Scarborough or Josh Jacobs, whoever it is, and they let them run all day. I also wouldn't now, be surprised uh, to see Jalen Hurts run the ball a little bit more this game, too.
1: Exactly what I was going to mention. What Jalen Hurts are we going to get? There have been games, and even big, bigger games, where Jalen Hurts has been very impressive against a, a, uh, a blitz. He sometimes has a really hard time picking up blitzes. When he's picking them up, he actually usually makes the right decision. Yes. He's a good decision maker. It's the arm talent and sometimes completing it, but there are times where he knows exactly when to tuck and run, what lane to go to. And then there are times where he knows where to put the ball. If he shows up and he can do that, and he's got that mindset, knowing it's coming, I think he could have a career—not a career game, but a you know a, a resurgent kind of game. Yeah. Uh, if he has trouble picking it up and he you know tucks it and rolls outside and tries to roll out and then cuts off half the field, and ends up either throwing it away or running out of bounds or taking a sack, trying to cut it back inside. I don't know what guy we're getting. I don't know what I don't know what number two we're getting on Monday. I—it's—it's it's a roll of the dice, in my opinion.
0: I mean, you mentioned it yourself. He's he's won every game but two since he's been he's here. He's been here
1: before. You and know, we all know we all know the story about what a uh, screensaver or wallpaper he had on his phone. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I think he wants it as bad maybe even worse than anybody on the team except Nick Saban. Uh so I think Alabama has to on offense has to establish some sort of run game, which is tough against a very Big physical Georgia defense.
1: We did we did it against Clemson. I really feel confident. If we commit to it, I feel like we'll have success.
0: Yes. Don't get freaked out if it doesn't work the first couple of plays. As long as that doesn't happen, and you keep pounding the ball, there will be spaces to run. There has to be. There's just this team has not really struggled running the ball against anyone except Auburn, and that's because the running backs got our our premier our star. Starting running back got the ball what six times that game? Six times. You know, and that game still didn't. And I mean, it wasn't close, but it wasn't really a blowout.
1: Another thing I want to mention, I think it's been made clear by Saban, he wants us to do that. Yes. I feel like Saban went back and probably didn't realize it during the game, but went back and saw Damian Harris got the ball six times, and then the ass chewing he gave Dayball on the uh, at when we were still throwing it, trying to run out the clock. Yeah. He got Elaine Kiffin ass-chewing? Yes. I think he's made it clear that he has no problem with us. I'm sure he told Dayball, hey, I want a lot of spread in our offense. That's where football's going. I feel like he's also the kind of coach who goes, when it's working and when it needs to work and when we just need to do it, just do it.
0: Run the ball. Just run the ball. i have been saying it for three years. Look, have I been wrong in three years? Has I the, can't see it. Has, has there been a game where I've said we need to run the ball more where it wasn't true?
1: No, I no,
0: no, no. I say it jokingly to you a lot. We're up by thirty and we pass and get a first down. I say, "Oh, we've well, gotten on the run on the ground too," but not seriously. I I mean, I can't think of a game where running the ball wasn't the solution. We win that Clemson game last year if we run the ball ten more times. Period. That's it. I,
1: I no, I agree with you on that. I think that there's. I think that Harris might have come in and had even more success than Bo Scarborough had. He was, oh my goodness, Damian Harris. I'm gonna yeah. miss him next year.
0: Yeah. Luckily, that's a position where we've got an entire stable. What does Georgia's offense have to do to beat Alabama in this Alabama defense that we're highly touting?
1: They're gonna need a. They're gonna need a couple big plays, I think, against us to to really think that the, they're gonna need a, a couple big plays to take the wind out of our defense's sails. You know, I, I I think that they're going to need to. That Wims receiver is really good at stretching the field. Obviously, we know what their running backs can do. Um, I think they're going to need a couple big plays. I think that this is if this is kind of a choppy uh, four, three, five, six yards here kind of game for them. I like us in those odds. Yes, yeah, I, I agree. like us in that. I think they need I to agree. hit a couple big plays. I think
0: the back-breaking um, third and twelve, third and ten, even third and seven pickups are what's really going to propel Georgia in this game if they can pick those. Long yardage situations, up or if they can hit home run balls.
1: And Fromm's going to have to do it throwing. Yes. You no, know, he's not going to run for it like Kelly Bryant did a couple times and Deshaun Watson did a thousand times. um sure. He has arm talent. We know what Fromm is. He was committed to Alabama. Uh, you know, not a little over a year ago.
0: I think. Um, yeah, I think uh if if Georgia beats Alabama through the air, so be it. So be it. Honestly, I mean that's that's my mentality of this. Make Fromm win the game for Georgia. And if he can do it and we lose, well, all right. I'm not happy thing about is, it. That's but, why this game is so interesting
1: because right. that is Georgia's exact game plan, too. I can guarantee it. Yeah. Make Hurts do it. Make Fromm do it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, look, if it's between Hurts and Fromm, I'm taking Hurts every time.
1: At the end of the day, I think when you're try- when both defenses are trying to force the offense to do something specific, I think that the defense is going to end up being the thing that wins. I like us in this game. I like us in this game a bit more than I did against Clemson.
0: Yeah, I do too. I do too. With that being said, Brick, for the last time of year three, on this 23rd episode of Pat's Interference for this season, a season that's had a lot of ups and downs, lots of weird hiatuses, lots of awesome episodes, and some not so good ones, if we're being honest, for the last time this season... Your score prediction between the University of Alabama and the University of Georgia for the national championship.
1: Alabama's wearing our sexy white jerseys. So you know how I feel. I picked us by one against Clemson. I'm going to go pick us by double ones. I'm picking a 28-17 win.
0: I like it. I like it. I I was actually just about to say I predict a 31-21 win. I see Georgia getting a touchdown on the ground. Getting a a maybe a defensive touchdown or a special teams kick return or something like that, and then a, a from bomb as we'll call
1: it. I never give us. I never give us a field goal. I don't know if you ever I, noticed. I don't I think I ever don't. give us a field goal. I know
0: you don't. I know you don't. But I'll, I'll give it to us. I'll give it to us. I'm going thirty-one twenty-one Alabama. Alabama when it wins its seventeenth national title on Monday.
1: What would be poetic? Is the team carrying Andy Papanastos off the field after a game-winning field goal? You will have after to tell all me all the crap. You will have to tell through,
0: me all about that, uh, if it gets to that point, because, because you're
1: going to be on your way to the emergency room. Yes,
0: route. I will. Jade Stoner will have to drive me in her 2010 Ford Escape to the hospital, because I will not have made it. I will Damn, not have made. it. she got a whip. It. She, uh, mm, yeah. Yeah, it's a good car. It's a good car. It's got a couple hundred thousand miles on it. But it's a good car. Uh, Brick, uh, there's there's a couple more things. Now that we've kind of broken down the game, uh, just last five minutes here, I want to talk about what this game means for the national scale and the state of college football. And I, I'm going to kind of go off on a spiel here. I'm going to both praise UCF and tee off on them. And then I'm going to sort of go into how I think this game affects college football, and then I want to hear your opinion. UCF had an amazing season. If you go back all the way to the hurricane, you go through their schedule and the fact that they just scorched the earth with it. Their biggest rivalry game in decades. Uh, They won in thrilling fashion. Their coach got a better job, and then out of loyalty to his program and his players decided to stay, which is extremely admirable. They defeat Auburn, which already gives you bonus points in my book. And they pretty much have a perfect season, record and otherwise, which is great. Here's what's not great. They've announced that they're going to start, uh, or not start, they're going to hoist National Championship banners at Spectrum Stadium. They're going to throw a National Championship parade in Orlando, Florida. Calling themselves National Champions does not bother me. I want to be very clear about that. I'm okay with that. Paying their coaches National Championship bonuses. I think it's a little weird and honestly if I'm some of UCF's uh, other sports I'm probably pretty pissed. Can't imagine their basketball team's too happy looking at their football team getting championship bonuses when they didn't win a championship. But to your funeral, do whatever you want, to your money. If you want to call yourselves and say you have a share of the national title, whatever. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I can root for the little guy for a little bit. Saying you were the true national champion, the sole national champion, that's messed up. Because you're not, all right? You had a bottom third strength of schedule. You do not play in a Power 5 conference. You didn't get a fair shot at the national championship. I agree with that. However, you can't walk around and tell me that you think you're better than both Georgia and Alabama, and be serious. Because you didn't get Auburn's best game. You got an Auburn team that was missing their best player. Let's be honest. on Johnson didn't really show up to the Peach Bowl. So, I'm okay, like I said, I'm okay with saying that you've got a share of the national championship. When you're acting like you're getting snubbed and the the world's out to get you and everything, no. Stop. Stop it. You sound ridiculous. You're a group of five school. Now, let me get to the other half of this.
1: I actually agree with you there. I I, I didn't think I was going to agree with you because I am fine with them doing the banner and having the thing. Because this is all about recruiting. And this is all about the largest school in Florida going. Why can't we be with FSU in Florida? Why yeah. can't we find our way into a Power Five? And conference? look, They're I'm just great to build with that. Their program.
0: I think that's awesome. I love it. But I'm sick of them thinking that they are God's gift to football. You're not. You might win eight games next season. And if they go undefeated again, they have to be in the playoffs. They have to. There's no same yeah, person that It's kind of like how Houston
1: did a couple years ago. Sure. Houston beat FSU in the big bowl game, and had they gone undefeated, uh, was it had last put year or the year before, Yeah, then they would have been in.
0: Had to put them in. Had to put them in. But they didn't, and you can't. UCF, I'm sorry. I think you're a great team. And I'm going to go into this a little bit. Uh, I think that there should be an 18 playoff, and I think this proves why. You've got your five conference champions from the Power Five. You get your group of five champion in there, whoever it may be and then you get two at-larges. I think that's how you fix it. Fix being in quotes, because there's never I'm
1: really... 100% on board, because I think the more teams that get in the playoff, the better chance it gives Alabama.
0: Sure. No, I love it. I love it. I would have loved... And imagine this. Imagine a world where this is the scenario from this year. You have... uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Alabama, 1-4. through four. Then you've got Wisconsin, USC... UCF and probably Auburn, probably Auburn. Uh well, Ohio State actually. Ohio um, State would
1: have been over here.
0: So re- rejigger that however you want, but then those first rounds, like UCF travels to Clemson to play a I'd playoff watch. game. I'd watch. I would never. I would. I would be incapacitated that weekend because all I would do is watch college football. That's all I would do. Um, and imagine that. Imagine a, a – uh, even if you do it for the 14 playoff, imagine a Clemson – or forget it. Let's say in that 18 playoff scenario that I just made up, you've got Georgia traveling to Alabama for a playoff game. That's – that'd be insane. That would be the greatest experience, right? So like I said, amazing. you're five power five champions. You're one group of five champion. Whoever – I mean – whether it's up to a vote, but then everybody's going to complain about that. And that's what I mean when I said you put it in quotes that you fix it. You're not really fixing anything. You're appeasing more people, but then there's going to be eight other teams saying, well, why don't we make it a 16-team playoff? And then we can have every conference involved and some at-large bits.
1: No, yeah, you, let's get the Sun Belt in. You
0: can't do that. You can't realistically do that because in the season, you might as well just roll it over into the Super Bowl. So you got to think about that. you got to think about TV schedules. you got to think about money. you got to think about getting players places. Is it fair to make them play this much? It will, it will
1: never be much? 16. It will never be 16. No, I don't
0: think so either. But here's another thing. You're already seeing guys sit out bowl games. How long will it be till a player and a coach don't get along about something and a player says, all right, well, screw you. I'm not playing your playoff game. It's going to happen.
1: That's that's going to happen at some point. That's going to happen at some point. I don't think we're very point. close to an 18 playoff yet. Um, they've already come out and said it'd have to be unanimous from all conferences. All conferences. I think power five. I think
0: it is more. I think this year is the most telling year that we will ever have that there needs to be an A team playoff.
1: There needs to be the next. the The controversies this year are, are not that big, right? Teams griping. It's gonna take something huge. Like every power five team is undefeated. Huge. Yeah. You know, every power five champion is undefeated. One has to be left out. Yeah. I think that would be like the kind of straw that could break a camel's back in this situation, and that's rare because, you know, a lot of these big teams interplay each other. Right? Yes. Alabama's playing Louisville. They played FSU this year. They played Wisconsin. You got, you know, TCU always plays a big team. It's always like that. So it's very. I can't even imagine a situation where that might happen. But, um.
0: so all of that being said, I'm proud of UCF. I do think they got snubbed out of a playoff spot because there's not any teams, and I hate that for them. I loathe the way they've handled themselves like children. I went on a rant on Twitter. Thought about doing it from the Pats Interference page, at PI underscore podcast, but I didn't. Because it was, it was my opinion. I didn't want to hijack your thoughts or what you thought about it. I'll say it one more time. If you want to say you have a share of the national championship, good. Go for it. You're the little guy, and you deserve it. But saying that you are the sole national champion and that you're going to raise a banner and play your, pay your coaches their championship bonuses and you're going to throw a parade and give your players rings that say national champions on it, all right, that's that's too much. you got to take guess a step who, back. Guess
1: who else did this uh, this century? Auburn. 2004, baby.
0: Auburn 2004, who I think had a better argument for it. Way better. Way better. But I digress. I, I, I said in the tweet, it's like when uh it's like a kid in elementary school saying that he's better looking than you are because his dad told him so and his dad could beat up your dad. That's how this whole thing feels. It's <laughs> well, all right.
1: UCF's dad can't beat up anyone's dad.
0: No. No. So that's I'm I'm putting that to rest. This is the last time I'm gonna mention the topic. Proud of UCF. Hate the way that they've handled everything since. Hate it. Despise it. Their fans have been obnoxious. Their school's been absolutely pitiful, and their PR people are just miserable to watch. So, go ahead and claim your national championship, but everybody knows in the record book who it's going to be. I'm off my soapbox now. You can have it.
1: Well, you said you were going to mention something about the state of college football. I was kind of interested to see where that was going. That's what
0: what I meant with the 18 playoff.
1: Okay, state of college football. Got it.
0: Yeah, just, just as far as, you know, how do you fix... That scenario, because like I said, okay. I do think UCF get jobbed. It's not fair. So what you you beat the team who beat both national champions, which is the transit property. So technically, by that, like Rutgers should be in the national championship somehow, right? Like um,
1: Elon actually has an argument. So oh, right the down the road,
0: property. Elon yeah. twenty minutes away down the road from me right now.
1: Yep, I know a couple people that went there. Yeah, um, but I I digress on that. Okay, I'll say this, and then and then that could probably be the end of what we're doing today. Um, this. All-SEC Championship are watching. It's very big for a few reasons. We all know the recruiting boost that you get from winning a title. Mm. Georgia's already getting a huge recruiting boost, and they haven't even won a title yet. We all know how Clemson got three of the top five recruits this year, and it's just it's insane what winning a title does for your program. They're in the same conference. They're in the same region as Alabama, and I can guarantee you already that Kirby Smart, one of the ways he's getting these recruits is he's telling players, Nick Saban is retiring after X year. I think he's telling him 2018. I think he's telling him next season is his last, or you can come play for the new Alabama for four years. I'm going to be here. There might be some merit to that. I don't know. Mm. We don't know what Saban's internal mind is saying. No, we don't. There might be, but he's definitely claiming he has inside knowledge. I worked for the guy for 10 years.
0: Yeah, and how could you blame him?
1: You know, people will claim that Georgia's overtaken Alabama. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, even if they win. um, We'll have to see really how the game looks to determine that, but it is big for reasons other than just who gets to lift a trophy up.
0: Sure. Sure. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. Should be fun. Should be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, Brick, I I can't believe we, we started doing this podcast in July or August. We did it in July, uh August. It was August 2015 is when we first started this podcast.
1: Here we are January 2018.
0: It's January 7th, 2018. We're 2 days, well I guess 1 day for me. Well, 1 day for both of us now from Alabama playing for their third straight national championship. Our first season the quarterback was Jacob Coker and our favorite player or my favorite player was Cyrus Jones. Now the quarterback is Jalen Hurts. And our unanimous favorite player is Tony Brown. So while some things change, like Jacob Coker to Jalen Hurts, some things never change, like Cyrus Jones to Tony Brown. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate you and all you've done for the podcast. Uh, listeners, we appreciate all of you for everything that you've done, for sticking with us, for sticking with us when we go on weird hiatuses because rick doesn't get off work till 12 and i've got to be up at 6 or vice versa or i'm out of town or we just kind of forget and we get busy for always tuning in always listening always jabbing with us on twitter talking with us on facebook commenting liking sharing uh calling us fools making us sound like idiots saying we're geniuses whatever it may be we wouldn't be here without you Uh, Brick and I have always wanted to do this. I know I say this at the end of the every week, but it's more true this week than others. I've been more excited about recording this podcast than probably any other episode minus the very first one. So for that brick, I thank you. I thank all of the Pat's interference listeners. We're going to have a great off season, no matter what, no matter what the outcome is uh, on Monday, as always on big games, brick and I will have a podcast. Um, if you if we lose, you can go back and listen to the Clemson podcast. It's probably going to sound very similar from last year. Um, if we win, you can go listen from two years ago from that Clemson podcast, and it'll sound similar to that. But this off season, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna restart the patsies. That's something that we missed last year, Brick. We're gonna redo the oh, patsies.
1: That's
0: right, we did. Uh, we're we're gonna have a couple of podcast episodes. I just want to be about absolutely nothing. Just absolutely nothing. I just wanted to be off the dome. Whatever we want. We
1: haven't even even talked Star Wars yet.
0: We haven't talked Star Wars. And we need to. We need to. We will. Because if we don't, who does? Who does? Nobody.
1: Nobody. Rob's
0: interference? No way. No way. That's not gonna happen. But, anyway. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. We couldn't do this without you. I mean that more this week than any other week. Uh, We really love doing this podcast. If you want to find us on Facebook, we're at pat's interference that's p-a-t-apostrophe-s interference on twitter at pi underscore podcast uh you can go to our soundcloud page our website it's dot com. soundcloud or pat's interference uh we're on itunes that's probably where most of you are listening but we're also on google play stitcher uh android devices i mean anything you could possibly want to listen to uh we're we're more than likely there uh so, and Brick. If we're not
1: on one, let us know, because I can get us on Yes, there. absolutely, absolutely. I still don't know what all people use Just outside iTunes, Google Play, Play it. SoundCloud. Cool. Brick,
0: for the last time for the 2018 season, on three, ready? One, two, three, roll tide. My daughter